Welcome to HFMA Talk, the podcast for NHS finance. I'm Sarah Day, Senior Policy Manager at the HFMA. Joining me today is Paul Butterworth, Director of Strategic Financial Management at Macmillan Cancer Support. It's an organisation that I'm sure we're all familiar with, but we're going to be picking up a few topics that may well be new to people listening. Um, So welcome, Paul. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, Sarah. (laughs) Thank you. Could you start us off just by introducing yourself properly and telling us a bit about your role at Macmillan? Yeah, of course. And and thank you for uh, inviting me on today. So, yeah, my name's um, Paul Butterworth. Um, I started out in the financial services industry. Thankfully, this isn't a live broadcast or I'm sure I could almost hear the hear the booze, but that's where I did my accountancy qualification. I did a number of different roles. I worked uh, out in Singapore for three years. Uh, Set, leading the the sort of setting up the finance function for a new technology centre. When I came back to the UK, I decided I wanted to move into the charity sector. So I've worked for a couple of the uh, a couple of large charities, CRUK, the NSPCC, and then this role at Macmillan. I also at one point set up a social enterprise, sort of helping small charities with their accounts, um, which which was which was very interesting. Um, but I've been in this role at Macmillan for close to three years now. Um, obviously, I think Macmillan's uh, a fantastic charity, and happy to talk a little bit more uh, about that. Um, but my, you know, as as for a lot of people, my main reason for joining Macmillan was you know the the personal connection so so i lost my mom in my 20s to she she died of uh, stomach cancer um you know this year i lost a, a good friend unfortunately to cancer so you know I'm, I'm sure most people listening to this are aware of the statistic but it's still still a statistic that sort of gets me that you know one in two people will develop some form of cancer in their lifetime so mm. yeah you know that's that that's you know why why I'm sort of at Macmillan and uh, yeah in the in the role that I'm doing. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. That's um, it's really interesting to understand a bit behind the person that we're talking to and understand some of your, your reasoning for for what, doing what you do, which is great. Thank you. Um, so this podcast has come about because we've been introduced by an organisation called Social Finance, and the main area we want to talk about today is social investment and and the links between that and the NHS. And we've held a couple of webinars on the topic at the HFMA, but I expect that most people listening probably don't know much about this area. So are you able to explain a bit about what the social investment model is? Yeah, um, happy to. And I think, yeah, I'd probably just start with sort of what what we mean by or what I always think of as a a social investment, which which a lot of people will uh, still refer to as a mixed motive investment. So from Macmillan's perspective, it's an investment that both needs to serve our charitable purpose and it needs to make a financial return. In terms of the model that we've um, developed with uh, social finance, um, basically there's four four steps to it, um, which probably probably help if I sort of talk through. Um, but overall, we're looking to invest up to 36 million in end of life care services using this model over the next four years. So basically what we do is we, we work very closely Macmillan Social Finance and our, you know, an NHS trust looking at sort of system pressures so, or what we sometimes also refer, refer to as system stresses. So things like hospital capacity, agency spend or workforce. So where is, where is there a real pinch point? 
that a new service could be brought in to help alleviate that pressure. And we're really looking for a, quite a specific outcome that we can focus. So in one of our recent investments, um, that would be say a reduction in the number of unplanned uh, bed days. So we identify that sort of system pressure and that outcome. We then look at what that new service is and design that new service. Uh, often trusts will come to us with a very clear idea of what they want to do. It might be an existing service that they want to scale, or it might be quite a new idea. It might be something quite innovative and something quite different. Um, but we will fund the entire cost of that new service. That starts to deliver the outcomes that we set out at the beginning. And then about halfway through the contract, assuming those outcomes are met, we start to get, we basically start to get repaid. So it's a, a social impact bond. It's not a loan, which I could touch on a bit more, the difference if it's helpful, but it's, it's not a loan. Um, it, it's a bond and we get repaid if those outcomes are met. And basically, if the, if the service is a success, as we all hope it will be, uh, and the key is we continue to look at those outcomes. Um, it's the outcomes, not really the service model that we're most interested in and, and potentially how can we continuously improve that service to get those outcomes. Um, but assuming everything goes to plan, we'll be fully repaid. We're never, we never are paid more than um, we've made the initial investment. There's no, there's no profits, there's no interest. Um, the maximum we can be paid is the amount we invested back. But if the service wasn't fully successful, if it took longer uh, to ramp up, if there were delays, then potentially we wouldn't get all of that money back. We essentially take on that risk on, on behalf. Yeah, so that, that's a bit of an overview of how the, the process works, but there's a number of different elements there, Sarah. I could probably talk on talk on a bit more if you think it would be helpful. Oh, absolutely. And I've got a few questions that maybe pick up on some of those. But I'm just going to take the last one, almost the last sentence that you mentioned, because a, a key attraction almost for the NHS for this way of doing things is that as the funder, you're taking on a lot of the risk of the service model not working. Now, why would you do that? Yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> well, essentially, the simple answer is because it's it, it's helping to set up a service that's going to help people at the end of life. So that is part of our charitable purpose. That is part of our charitable aim. I didn't I didn't really get to touch too much on you know all the variety of services that Macmillan does, um, but you know we help you know, we do whatever it takes to support people affected by cancer from diagnosis uh, through treatment and beyond and to the end of life. Now, so we want to support people. We want to enable services um, that will help people at, at the end of at the end of life. For us, creating that, helping to create that service and a service that might not be there without this sort of seed funding, this initial investment, you know, that's that's the key purpose, that's the charitable purpose when we're having to tick those two boxes in terms of social investment. So that, you know, that's the, in many ways, the main reason. There are other reasons though, that we would look at this funding method. As you're probably aware, and again, I can come back to it, you know, grant funding is our main source of funding and will continue to be our main source of funding. But we really see social investment as being a key and secondary sort of key method of funding, especially end of life care services, because we think from a systems perspective, actually it's a way we can 
generate greater system-wide change than we could just through grant funding. Mm. So we, we want to create those services that will help um, people at the end of life, you know, to give them, to provide services that might give them a choice of where they want to, you know, where they wish to die. We want to help those system-wide changes and prove that the model can work, prove that the model can work across all four nations. There's also the finance angle, you know, as as the finance director. Um, clearly, if if we can create a service that's ticking a charitable box, but that then if that service is successful, were repaid, then we can use that money to fund more of those services. So we we take a portfolio view. We know that not all services will fully repay. Um, there is an element of risk, but there's a lot of due diligence that goes into when we do these business cases. Yeah, to try and minimize that risk, but taking on that risk uh, is inherent as part of getting these services up and running, especially when there's something more innovative and something that perhaps might struggle to get going if they had to be funded themselves within the trust. How hands-on are you as an organisation with the NHS trust or organisation organization that might be looking at doing this work? I mean, you mentioned that people come to you with a variety of different ideas that might be quite well developed or might just be a, a brand new thought at the moment. Um, do you have a lot of involvement in how it how it evolves? Yeah, quite a lot of involvement. Uh, like obviously, in terms of the 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 service itself, um, you know that that will come from that will come from the trust. You know what clinically, what ideas um, has the trust got to to support people at the end of life in in their area, but especially the we've partnering with a not-for-profit organization called social finance who bring a lot of experience of how social investments can work so in terms of building that business case of well where are the where are those systems pressures what are the types of things that you would look for how would you quantify that where's the data for that what's the type of improvements um, that we might be likely to see over a three-year period what are the likely stage gates what would a reasonable repayment look off off the back of those improvements how do you put an economic value say on those unplanned bed days we yeah. can bring a lot of that expertise um, to to that discussion to build that business case and we very much you know, again, one of the key things we're looking to do with with this intervention, with this fund that we've created, this £36 million fund, is really collaborate and support partners across the system to really develop these services and maintain these services and, and create exemplar services. Um, I think, you know, we, we've had it said that actually one of the, you know, we've actually, that experience has helped upskill finance teams or or the the teams um who've worked on these business cases but because perhaps they've not done one of these social investments before or they weren't quite sure what were the right bits of data to to look for uh, and we've been able to bring that and our partners social finance have been able to bring that so yeah so i'd say pretty hands-on to be honest in terms of that sort of business case development brilliant Oh, thank you. Um, so I'm going to go back a little bit to some of the, the techie finance stuff that you mentioned just before we get into some of the, the projects that you've been involved with. So you mentioned um, this isn't a loan, it's a social impact bond sort of grant. Could you just explain a bit more for the people who are worried about how this might appear in the books? 
of an NHS organisation? What is this? Yeah, thank you, and 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 good question. So, yeah, as, as I think I mentioned, it's it's definitely not uh, alone, and and obviously the big difference there really is that there are no interest interest charges. Um, so Macmillan funds the costs of the service upfront, and the amount is only repayable if the outcomes are successfully achieved, and and that's capped at the cost of the service. So actually, any excess benefit is retained by the system. In terms of accounting for it sort of within the NHS trust, um, actually usually contract size is generally fairly immaterial, um, but the integrated care board might accrue the potential liability to make the outcome-based payments as a way of ensuring that those potential outcomes, um, that liability isn't forgotten. I think you've sort of answered this question. So one of the re one of the questions I was going to ask you was you know, Macmillan already worked closely with the NHS in a lot of areas. And so I was interested in why you then chose this model and going through sort of that third party with social finance to do this work. But I guess that link with the outcomes and the experience that social finance bring to this around social investment really makes us quite different from your other work where you're directly contracting with the NHS, perhaps. Yeah, like, you know, there's... I was surprised when I joined Macmillan at the variety of of services that we do provide. Um, you know, from from direct grants to individuals, um, uh, and 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 support line for individuals. But but yeah, a big chunk of what we do and what Macmillan is obviously quite well known for is those sort of is the cancer nurses, is the health and social care professionals that we typically fund through a grant, typically for two to three years, with the expectation that the partner organisation will sustain those posts going forward. Um, and that's a model that has served us very well, um, that's had a, you know, has a huge impact in terms of the people that we've been able to support who are affected by cancer. But we do see this as a really a really great sort of secondary funding mechanism um, that we're, you know, that we're really looking at in this end of life space in particular uh, at the moment, sort of proving it can work in this space. Whilst this 36 million fund is relatively new, actually working with our partners and big society capital, this is something that we've been involved in since 2015. Um, so there's a number of social investments that we did through that uh, through that previous fund, um, seven previous investments, some of which were were very successful, and we helped up to 10,000 people sort of through that model uh, at the end of at the at the end of life. So yeah, we've had we've had quite a lot of experience in this area already uh, with our partners, social finance, but this is something that we're looking to bring a bit more in-house, make it a key part of how Macmillan uh, funds services going mm. forwards. So have you got any specific examples of some of the successes that you mentioned there? Yeah, um, what would be some good examples? So yeah, I know, you know, of those seven, of those seven services um, that we funded previously, so alongside Big Society Capital and uh, Social Finance, you know, one of our big successes there was a rapid response nursing hub in Hillingdon. And that was nominated actually for a, a, a HSJ, a Health Service Journal Award. Mm -hmm. um, I think you're aware and I think you've done a, um, a web 
webinar on one of our most recent investments from this year with the Oxford University Hospitals Trust, OUH. So a sort of a rapid response project um, with OUH, Sobel House Hospice Charity, uh, ourselves and social finance. Um, and that, that's a 6.1 million funding from Macmillan to, to OUH or up to 6.1 million. Um, and although that only launched earlier on this year, um, you know, we know that's helped already 230 people um, who've been cared for in their own homes um, as being their choice of, of where to die. So, uh, and I think as I mentioned earlier, you know, those previous sort of seven projects, um, they, they've impacted 10,000 people. So, yeah, it's an area we're really, yeah, we're, we're really proud of. Brilliant. Um, so through all this work, have you noticed um, key things that need to be in place in an organisation in order for this to work? I think there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely some some things that improve the chances of success uh, for yeah. sure. So uh, I probably feels like I've gone on a bit about it already, but those clear outcomes, you know, I, that is key right at the start of the process for everyone to be agreed on uh, what is the tangible um, outcome that we're looking to change? Okay, it's unplanned bed days. They they make a difference. You may not you may not be able to. This may not be about um, closing beds, but hopefully it may stop you having to open more beds or even uh, having to stop opening a new ward. So that those type of changes that at the at the edge can make quite a difference. Certainly from a cost from a cost perspective so what are those outcomes um and obviously i'm a finance person i'm a, I'm a touch focused on the finance there's there's <laughs> lots of service uh, there's lots of service kpis that that we look at yeah. and and that we work very closely as well with with the partner um but being clear on what those outcomes are from the start having having pulling together an evidence base of what that looks like and how we're going to monitor it going forwards um I think that can be everyone looking to sort of monitor and measure that success can be really important. It is quite data driven. So I think getting all the teams together, the finance team, say the business intelligence team, obviously the clinical team, you know, is, is absolutely key <laughs> to, yeah. to these services and the success of any of these services. But having everyone on that same page from the beginning, I think can make a real difference. I think the finance, obviously I'm speaking, I think to, to a largely finance audience, you know, I think um, having, you know, the finance team is really key in terms of that that funding model and that that repayment model. Um, so having having that team bought, bought into it, um, going on that journey in terms of well, how are we going to calculate this? What 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 is it that we're going to monitor? What, how do we see that cost avoidance? How can we justify this service on an ongoing basis? We believe in the benefit. If we can see these benefits genuinely coming through, then we believe it's a service that's going to continue. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's that's really important. You know, getting all those teams together and on the same page from the start really helps. Great, thank you. So, from a finance point of view, I was thinking thinking this through earlier. It could be argued that perhaps Macmillan is funding the NHS to deliver services that it's already funded to do. 
which might be difficult for you to deal with in terms of your charitable purpose and, and justifying investment with your, your trustees potentially. And I just wondered, how do you approach that as the funder of, of these projects? Yeah, I think that's a, it's a good, good question. And there's probably a, maybe certainly two, two elements to it. So, you know, from, you know, I think that there's probably a, a very broad question there, almost from a charity sector perspective, you know, are charities funding or, or providing services that someone else, <laughs> the government, uh, local councils should be providing? You know, that's, that's probably quite a big, broad sector uh, question. And, and some, I'm sure some people would have some strong views on it one way, one way or another. Um, I, I don't I don't think I necessarily have too strong a view uh, on it one way or another, that, that very broad question. I think in terms of what we're doing here and from our charitable purposes, you know, as I said, key for here is that key, key is that we're helping provide services to support people at the end of life. I think we really see ourselves, I guess, as a bit of an enabler yeah. in this. You know, these are services that potentially often trusts want to do. They've got the idea that they want to do them. They might have started them already and they're looking to expand them. They want to go weekend or, or out of hours. But actually getting that through the internal processes when resources are scarce, uh, where funding is scarce, where there's a risk involved in it, if we can sort of step in and provide that short-term funding to prove that that, to prove that that service can work, to actually work with, as I say, the, the finance team and the clinical teams to, to help uh, continuously improve that model that's delivering those outcomes to make it yeah. a better service. So it's got the best chance of after those three years being maintained on an ongoing basis. Um, then that's absolutely something that we see as being within our sort of charitable purpose and that, you know, our leadership team and our trustees are very, very happy for us to be, you know, operating in this space and to be proving that proving the model can work um, as perhaps part of a, a wider um, system change and proving it can work in, in the four nations as well, not just in England. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. There was a bit of a philosophical question thrown in there, but that was a <laughs> great answer. Thank you very much. Um, I wonder if we could just move away a little bit now from the social investment side and just talk a little bit wider about some of the uh, work Macmillan does. Um, and the cancer is obviously a key focus for the NHS. Um, and I'm interested how organisations such as yourselves feed into national planning in this area and, and help develop some of the strategies that we, we see coming out of the centre. Yeah, um, well, I'm Macmillan, you know, definitely, you know, I, I wouldn't claim this to be my necessarily uh, my area of, of expertise, but, you know, one of the things that Macmillan certainly does is is help uh, sort of develop or, or challenge some of those national sort of national cancer strategies. So, you know, one of our one of our we see one of our main roles is to advocate on behalf of people with cancer um, for better sort of diagnosis, treatment, support. Um, we do that by working with the governments and healthcare leaders across all four nations. Uh, last year, we ran a what we felt was a pretty successful sort of forgotten sea campaign. Um, you know, obviously, as your uh, listeners will know even better than me, you know, 
the aftermath of COVID, you know, increased increased waiting times for, for a number of services and making sure that, that cancer wasn't that forgotten see. We, you know, very much were pushing that agenda. Um, and we're, yeah, we're working with each nation to ensure that plans are in place to reflect the needs and experience of people affected by cancer. Um, and obviously we want to make sure that, you know, there's the necessary funding and leadership in place to, to drive that. Um, in, in truth though, you know, the, the NHS is, is a, uh, a big organization. Healthcare is a big yeah. issue. Um, it, it is bigger than Macmillan. We like to think that we are able to and do influence in that space. Um, and I think one success I would pull out that I guess relates to this is, um, you know, social investment is now included in the NHS commissioning guidance. Yeah. Um, so the NHS palliative and end of life care funding and contracting approaches. So, so how social investment can be used, can be an efficient use of third sector funding. So again, you know, we believe we have an influence sort of in that area. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Um, and you've touched on this, I think, already. But um, so our audience today is mainly NHS finance staff. Um, and we can sometimes feel a bit remote from patient care. And I think you've referred to that a couple of times as you've been been speaking. And obviously our financial decisions have an impact on patients. But do you see any specific role in addressing the current issues around cancer care for finance staff? Is there something you think that the NHS finance function could be doing to um, help improve some of that backlog or, or think about how cancer care should develop? Yeah, well, I've probably got sort of two answers to that in terms of, you know, I think NHS finance staff, so your listeners, and, and I think obviously I'm a bit biased, but like all finance staff have a, have a really critical part to play in their organisations. You know, I think, you know, we can bring that financial rigour, that cost control, but combining that with the sort of strategic support, the business insight, I think is hugely valuable to any sort of management and leadership team and setting of the future strategy. So I'm, and I'm sure what your listeners do every day is, is absolutely making a difference to, to patients with, within the NHS. I think with regards, more directly regards sort of today's topic, I think I think I guess it goes back to that guidance almost. I think it's just making sure that people are aware that they're, you know, to consider a, a different mix of providers. So be that community or voluntary sector organisations like Macmillan in terms of responding to the needs of people um, with cancer and of the system. So considering sort of working with us, you know, be that grant funding, be it social investments for, for end of life care, you know, having those different avenues, being aware of those different avenues, perhaps bringing that to the mix when the, when the conversation um, is ongoing, you know, how can we improve services and, you know, add more value and save a bit of money? You know, I think um, that's a winning combination that, that most, you know, leadership teams are, are open to. So I think I think your your listeners can can certainly bring that bring that insight. Uh, I'm sure it would be welcomed. So just going back then to our main topic of social investment and improving end of life care. Um, what would you say to anyone who's listening who's undecided about whether they should get involved or not? Yeah, well, I think I think if anyone's undecided, I, I would just 
you know, I don't want to give too hard a sell. I was never very good at, at, at sales, but I think if, you, if it's something that you have an idea of or, um, you know, would like to find out more about, then then simply, I'd say, just find out more about it. Um, you know, you can get in touch with us. Uh, we have an email address, socialinvestment at macmillan.org.uk. Um, so, you know, I think it's, I think there's a real, you know, for me, when I started this role a couple of years ago, I hadn't particularly come across social investment, but it, it didn't really take too much of a, a sell from my perspective to to be a supporter of it. You know, ultimately, if we can fund services that are going to help people at the end of the life, and potentially there's there's a mechanism that will be, you know, if the outcomes are met, will be repaid, so we can fund further services. That feels like a win-win from my perspective. I think from a trust's perspective, if if you've got if you've got a funder willing to take on the risk, if you've got a service that you want to get up and running that you think is going to make a difference, going to improve things in your area, you've got a funder willing to work with you on that hopefully help improve that service, improve the business case behind it, tighten some of the analytics, um, you know, really demonstrate the value and is willing to take on some of that risk in those first years to get that service up and running. You know, that that feels like there's a bit of a win-win to, mm -hmm. to be had there. So yeah, if you're thinking about it and would like to know more, I would simply say, yeah, please, Please continue that journey and 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 look to understand a, a bit more. And if we can help with that, then then reach out to us. That's brilliant. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, I've, I've certainly learned a lot and I've really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, and as I think Paul mentioned on the way through, the HFMA has recorded a couple of case study webinars on this approach, and you can access them through the events archive on our website. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of HFMA Talk and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to keep up to date with future episodes.